1: Show me. Now, live from the
0: American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris.
1: You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. I read an article that kind of disturbed me. It was on news1.com. And I had to pontificate about it. <clears throat> so, here it goes. By the way, if you have any comments, talk and text line is eight three three two one two one zero one seven 212 1017 is the actual number. And so... Two writers asked the question, is it time to not this? This wasn't me. So don't don't get all upset or mad or, you know, all the cops out there. So is it time to rethink police traffic stops? So. It was written by Derek Epp. And Megan Diaz. The universe from, from the University of Texas at Austin, they stated in an article posted February 3rd, 2023 on NewsOne.com. They say their research suggests that law enforcement traffic stops are prone to racial bias and cause harm to communities and individuals disproportionate to any benefit that they bring. They say that's what their research suggests. Now, two researchers, right? I kind of looked a little, did a cursory look. Who really don't know anything about law enforcement, traffic stops, police training, yet bash vicariously through their research with really little or no firsthand knowledge, just information and data. Well, statement number one, some things that caught my eye. We have analyzed a data set of more than 20 million traffic stops as a part of research in this, into the effectiveness of this routine part of police life, which there is no such thing as a routine traffic stop. That's a dumb, idiotic, stupid statement that people make. You know, I'm not calling them dumb, stupid, or idiotic. I'm talking about when people say routine. No traffic stop is the same. No one is alike. Anyway, what we have found is that even by its own standards, the return on this high-contact form of policing is slim, and they said it rarely leads to criminal convictions and charges. Moreover, the negative consequences are far-reaching. Law enforcement traffic stops are prone to racial bias and cause harm to communities and individuals disproportionate to any other benefit that they bring, our research suggests. Statement number two that jumped out. Some of these stops are for legitimate public safety reasons. Drunken drivers, for example, are an obvious risk to other road users. But police officers have huge discretion, I guess not to be confused with small discretion. I don't know what that means. When it comes to conducting traffic stops for a whole slew of traffic infractions from a broken taillight to speeding. They can also in most states initiate a traffic stop as a pretext to investigating other crimes. What do you mean pretext? Didn't explain it in the comment. Just say the right was confirmed by the Supreme Court in 1996 in Ren v. United States. The ruling stated that it is not unconstitutional for officers to use any traffic violation, no matter how minor as the reason to search the vehicle for other suspected crimes. For example, the possession of illegal drugs if they have probable cause or reasonable cause. The problem, oh, I'm not going to get into the statement. Let me, let me just move on. Statement number three they made is while the effectiveness of traffic stops as a tool to apprehend serious criminals appears tenuous at best, what is clear is that pulling over drivers has potential for negative, sometimes violent outcomes, especially for drivers. Ms. Diz and Mr. Epp, a couple suggestions. Number one, there is absolutely nothing routine about a traffic stop. No two are the same. So when you use terminology that you heard from other people and most police officers will tell you that a traffic stop, there's nothing routine about it. Guess what? You should probably stop. B, all black people are stopped in black neighborhoods. Hispanic people are stopped in Hispanic neighborhoods. Whites in white neighborhoods. My point. When I worked in Milwaukee, District 6, throughout my 24-year, one-month career with the Milwaukee Police Department, I arrested, ticketed, and fought more with white people even after I worked on the north side and downtown in District 7 and District 3. And then I went downtown to District 1. I mean, I know it's anecdotal, but it kind of proves my point. See, there has to be other things present, like the smell of marijuana. Movement, gun, seeing that there are so many other things that go into a traffic stop and going beyond to search a vehicle. That for you to isolate that one thing. It's ridiculous. You can even have a third-party call or call and say, hey, I think that guy over there is doing something. And we can go check. And then after checking, if we see something, then we can act on it. We smell marijuana. The person has articulable, furtive movement where they're moving. that looks like they're trying to hide something. Um, They throw something out the window that might be drugs. Like all those things count. D, to think that an officer in today's litigious video and social media laden society would be stupid enough to do something, well, well, stupid. I can point you to at least five Memphis officers and a couple of Milwaukee police officers who found out the hard way that that don't work. That when you do dumb stuff, you should go to jail, especially if it's criminal. E, the potential for negative, sometimes violent outcome was brought about during traffic stops by police and slavery and racism by white people. But then finally, traffic stops rarely lead to criminal charges or convictions because it is about the one thing we in society want. Because traffic stops are discretionary, in many instances, the majority of cops, unless they're on a safe street initiative where they're trying to mitigate something like reckless driving or speeding, all want the same thing. Compliance.
0: And that is Dr. Ken's Truth on the new 101.7 The Truth. More of the truth in the afternoon with Dr. Ken Harrison is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017TheTruth.com. Yeah. You know what? I like the play No dickety, no doubt. Play on,
1: play at. Play on, play at it. Yo, trade drop reverse. It's going down,
0: of black street, the homies
1: You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris 833-212-1017 is the number Tune in to the truth with Sherwin Hughes For his financial empowerment interview tomorrow With Northwestern Mutual They're a national leader in financial services And every month, Sherwin talks with a representative And they are Northwestern Mutual financial advisors J.B. Bell and Erica Wright Where they will have an informative conversation On the wealth gap And how race plays a part. And how individuals can start towards a path of generational wealth. So make sure you call in 833-212-1017. You can get free advice, free business advice, free everything. That's Friday, tomorrow at 12 noon. Speaking of tomorrow, the 24th, I'll be live at Economics, Politics, and Philosophy on the Bluff Speaker Series. I'll be doing my show live from the Concordia University, Robert W. Plaster Free Enterprise Center Collaboratorium. It's right there on the first floor. I'll host my show. We're going to explore the economics of African-American community in Milwaukee. Our guest is Dr. Rachel Ferguson from uh, Concordia University, Chicago, author of the book we'll be discussing, Black Liberation Through the Marketplace. So make sure you check that out. If you want to register and show up free, go to thetruth.eventbrite.com. The Truth dot eventbrite.com and you can hang out from four to six and my show will be live and all that fun stuff it'll be pretty cool and it'll be cool if you didn't listen you need to go back to yesterday's show um i spoke to uh altavis from the clotilda descendant society about the last slave ship to reach u.s soil in 1860. they Started a thriving community, Africa Town. So make sure you go back and listen to that interview. It was very, uh, very enlightening. Eight three three two one two one zero one seven is the number. Oh, by the way, sometime in the five o'clock hour, I'll be giving away. I'll be doing my African American history trivia again. So if you want to win a truth prize pack, um, I'll be giving away a couple of those. So make sure you are present in the five o'clock hour and you can call and we'll figure out a way to get your answer right. So you can win a prize back, but don't tell anybody. Don't, don't tell the fucks from marketing because, you know, they're good. they get kind of upset when I do that. Uh, 833-212-1017 is the number. So should Milwaukee consider doing reparations for black people? You know, we talk about it in general and we talk about it, you know, well, think reparations are this and reparations are that, but now, let's just cut to the chase. Should Milwaukee consider reparations? And if yes, how, like how 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 would that work? Eight three three two one two one zero one seven is the number. What caused that? Well, I was looking at a story from California, Cal Matters, and it was from January thirtieth, where, well. The California reparations task force concluded two days of public hearings in San Diego and made some key decisions inching closer to their July 2023 deadline for a final set of recommendations. And so they have a reparations task force and this task force has come together and worked and created and did things that have put California kind of at the forefront in terms of looking at the five categories against black people that harm us, including unjust taking of property back in the day. You you know, you remember down in the South, you had it. I mean, look at Africa town. Near, near Mobile, Alabama. Uh, devaluation of black business is never quite you know you could have the same business with the same partners bringing in the same amount of money you could have the same house with the same square footage but somehow your house just just never in the city of Milwaukee in the zip code it's just never quite worked as much as a house on the south side I used to just revel in the idea I used to watch white people come in to the Milwaukee Police Department New, no credit, no anything, get a house, sit on it for about four or five years, and then sell it for almost a third to half of what they paid for it. I mean, like a 50% increase, 75% increase. And when you ask, what were the things on the north side that caused houses to never go up and go up pretty slow? They were, I, I really don't know. I just don't know. But this is the kind of things that that have set black people back because real estate is one of the ways you make money. I mean, unless you're black and you live in Milwaukee, mass incarceration. Don't know if I would include that one, because some of those that are mass incarcerated were actual criminals. So how are you going to sift through that? And then you have health harm. And so all things being equal. I think black people need to look at that in the city of Milwaukee. What are your your thoughts? And what criteria would we use to settle reparations? I mean, I've got about 12 issues that have affected black people. But I also have about three things that I think if we change just these three things. See, I just talked myself into a fourth one. Oh, well, if we change these four things. Get to write that down. I think we could do it. Eight, three, three, two, one, two, one, zero, one, seven is the number. If any of these issues Tell me of these issues, which are the top, which is the top issue you think we should work on in relation to reparations in the city of Milwaukee? Now, let's be clear. The city of Milwaukee will never give you reparations. They can't even get shared revenue from the state of Wisconsin. So I'm pretty sure we're never going to get reparations, but I'm just putting it out there. Number one, slavery has affected us this entire time. I talked about it the other day. Joe Oliver was the first black man in the city of Milwaukee in 1835 to vote. And he was the first black man to populate the city of Milwaukee. He was the, the cook for Milwaukee's first mayor, Solomon Juno, and voted in the first election. Number two, racial terror. The Rosewood, the Milwaukee, Chicago, New York, L.A., Cleveland, Tulsa, Oklahoma, you name it, racial terror. If we couldn't get anything from you, we'll just terrorize you, terrorize your family, kill somebody, and make you leave. Political disenfranchisement. What was it Biden said? If you don't vote for me, you're not black. Really? So clearly there's no diversity in politics. You should just be Democrat and that's it. We have, we go into violent convulsions if you even think about Republican, yet black people are as conservative as they come. They won't verbalize it because they're scared because of what? The Democratic Party's racial terror. How could you believe that? And then you get denigrated and trashed and then finally canceled. What about housing segregation? Not neighborhood segregation, but actual housing segregation where the law tells you that you can't buy a house here. You know, neighborhood segregation is, I, I chose to live in a predominantly black neighborhood, Sherman Park. It's one of the most diverse neighborhoods because it has black, white, Hispanic, Asian, uh, Pacific Islander, Jewish, Muslim, uh, Christian, you name it, right? What about separate and unequal education, racism, family Uh, Control over creative, cultural, and intellectual life. Look at everything that black people learn from. They are only in control of one portion of that, and that is the historical black college and university. And then you got a few sprinklings of people like Tyler Perry and Oprah who kind of control their own thing. We don't control our own culture. We don't control what we call creativity. And we don't control intellectual life because predominantly white institutions denigrate historically black colleges and universities and say that they're, they're, they're actually second tier. But yet, if you could come from Howard or North Carolina A&T or FAMU or Clark, Clark Atlanta University graduate, take the same CPA test that they take from Harvard and pass and use the same book, how's it less? Other than contacts, and if you actually use the contacts at the university where you graduated, guess what? You have the same network. But we've been talked into thinking, oh my God, that school is better. And we allow them to control our intellectual lives while telling us what our culture should be and then controlling what the creative narrative is. Then you look at stolen labor and hindered opportunity. This lie we've been perpetuating that we have a, um, what am I going to call it today? Glass ceiling? It's more like a concrete ceiling. It won't move. And you can't see through it. So we don't, even, we don't even know what's on the other side. And when they do choose, it's never anybody that looks like me, black male. But I digress. The legal system, I don't even know where to start. Between education and legal system, I, I just, I, I just don't, I don't even know where to start. We've been beat down, destroyed, kicked around. And I'm not even talking about the criminals. I'm talking about the everyday people. The crap I had to go through to buy a house. What about mental health? We're about to take care of that. And County Executive Crowley talked about that yesterday. One of the major things that's happening to black people and one of the reasons why we can't get help is because we couldn't get out to Wauwatosa to the behavioral health place. And so now we're going to build one. And we got one here in the city of Milwaukee down on 12th Street. Marsha Coggs. That will help. But then finally, what about the wealth gap? All these things are impacting the city of Milwaukee as it relates to black people. Which one of these would you start with? Slavery, racial terror, politics, housing segregation, education, racism, family, your life, stolen labor, Legal system, mental health, wealth gap. Can we do just one and mitigate all the others? Or is this a foregone conclusion? Because in the end, I have three things that I believe if we receive reparations in these, just these areas. That way it wouldn't upset everybody. Scream about taxpayer money, even though it's okay to bail out banks and business and billionaires and millionaires. But, eh not little old people who work in the neighborhood. I've got four things that I I believe that if we would just institute these four things as reparations for black people, I think Milwaukee, in its current iteration, will absolutely thrive. You're listening to truth in the afternoon I'm your host Dr. Ken Harris 833-212-1017 is the number so I'm I'm thinking if if the city's going to do anything for black people right I think you should join the other what eight cities or so that are that are doing reparations but we got to do it in a way that's going to cause something positive to come out of it Does that make sense? Something positive has to come out of reparations. And I have an idea for each one. Number one, tax law. If you don't want me to get reparations, change the tax law so black people don't pay taxes for, I don't know, 10 years. And. Since they already got your DNA anyway, I don't know why people are screaming and go, Oh, you got my DNA. I don't want it. Well, they got it anyway. Your DNA, your, your name, your social security number, all that stuff. You, you may as well give them. And if you're 50% black, you get 50% of your taxes abated. If you're a hundred percent black, you can trace your heritage to slaves. So if you're from Nigeria or Benin or Ethiopia or Cape Town or Joburg, don't count. You have to be descendant from slaves. And the percentage of your DNA when your descendant from slaves is around 37, 40, 45%. When it gets higher, somebody in your family was from Africa, like your father or your mother, right? People shouldn't complain about it. We put a man on the moon. We can figure out how to figure out how your genetics details. As long as black people are in charge of it, And white people are in charge of it. I want it middle of the board, middle of the road so that nobody can complain. Oh, there's some hijinks going on. Nope. I want conservative people on the commission. I want liberal people on the commission, black and white. So that nobody can cry and complain. The science is there. All we have to do is use it. Tax law. will save us money to invest. The other thing, school loans. I already said it before. If you're going to forgive anybody's school loans, black people. And then on top of that, anybody who's school, you know, I just say it, everybody, just just forgive people's school loans. It's only 1.2 trillion. We wasted an inordinate amount of, of uh, money On businesses and PPP and all this other crap, the governor's still giving out money trying to buy votes and do all sorts of things to make people happy, especially education. So if we're going to do it, pay off the loans, but also make it so that if your loan is paid off, 50% of your loan, you have to take it and put it in a 401k or 403b if you work in public service or nursing or something like that. That's it mandatory take it out your check you get to choose where you put it you don't have to be stuck with those company uh programs that that limit you from putting it something in an index fund right you should be able to put your money where you want to but it has to be mandatory so the government say take your money out and put it in the 401k or 403b that you choose not necessarily through the company but invest number three Owning a business. There has to be an easier way, an easier entry to own a business. Set up a one-stop shop. I love the way Wisconsin does business. Let me, let me just tell you. I can go to the county and sign up for everything I need for my business and everything is done. I don't have to fill out a license for the city, the county, the state, You know, the grandpa, the I don't have to do any of that. All I have to do is fill out one license and it takes care of the county and the state. And it's a phenomenal program. They've streamlined things. One good thing COVID did was help people recognize and realize that the idiocy of going and standing in line to do things when we didn't have to just to keep government workers on the dole can change. They can do that at home. They can answer the phone from home. And then finally, real estate. There has to be real estate training on how to own real estate in school. There needs to be financial planning in school. This is how you invest. We teach all the other things that we say we're lacking, right? But the one thing the city of Milwaukee needs to be in, the one business we need, the one department we need is Wi-Fi. We need free Wi-Fi in the city of Milwaukee. And we have enough businesses here that don't pay taxes. Because if you understand how business works, the actual business doesn't pay taxes. But that's a whole other argument that we try to tell people. Oh, my God, you make billions of dollars. Yeah, we pay it out, too. It's called... percentage of every single employee we have like what but that's that's another show and another issue if we could just teach those things in school we would have phenomenal children and phenomenal adults but instead we teach stuff that you know really doesn't help anything or anybody and the public schools i'm sorry Public schools nationwide have lost a million students. One million students have gone and left public school and went to private or parochial schools. That's saying something about public education. Public education is good. The problem is it's not cost effective. And until we figure out a way how to fix these issues we have in Milwaukee and allow black people to flourish, in a city that's, what, 45, 46% black? It'll be true. In where, where you know, where Milwaukee goes, goes the state of Wisconsin? It'll end up dragging the entire state down.
0: More of The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harrison is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You are listening to The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.
1: You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017. You kind of just heard it, but... uh, It's called called waiting on a computer to load. They're so fast around here, I tell you. I tell you. Come on, today. All right. Uh, Cloudy skies this evening will become... Ooh, I wasn't looking forward to that. Partly cloudy after midnight. Low around 15 degrees. Winds north from the northwest, 15 to 25 miles an hour. Currently, it's 34 degrees. So, hey, make sure you uh, stay warm out there because it doesn't look like it's going to get any cooler. Um, Friday high is 24. Uh, The low is 21, 36 on Saturday, 38 on Sunday, and then Monday we get rain, Tuesday clouds, and next Wednesday is mixed rain and snow. Now I'm looking for flights to Florida (laughs) so I can get out of here. So I can roll out of here. 833-212-1017 is the number. I forgot to say today, first of all, I have to say happy birthday to my wonderful eldest daughter. Uh, She is, um, she was born today. I almost told you how old she was. She was born today, and I want to tell my daughter, Lauren, happy birthday. So, uh, also born today is William Edward Burkhart Du Bois. You know who that is? W.E.B. Du Bois. He graduate work at the University of Berlin and Howard, where he was the first African-American to earn a doctorate. And he became a professor at Atlanta University. Today, we know that as Clark Atlanta, one of the founders of NAACP. In 1909. So... um, when people ask, so are you Du Bois or or that other guy, Booker T? I'm like, I'm 110% W.E.B. Du Bois. We'll have to have a debate on that one day. Um, matter of fact, we can have it today in the 5 o'clock hour. If you support Du Bois or Booker T, which, uh, well, first of all, you got to know which one it is and what that actually means. And I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let you do it. I'm going to let you do it. But. Um, W.E.B. Du Bois was born on this day, February 23rd in 1868. Uh, Died August 27th in 1963 after he moved to the continent of Africa. So that was a, uh, he rose to national prominence as the leader of the Niagara Movement. Most people don't know about that. Niagara Movement, a group of African-American activists who wanted equal rights for blacks, Uh, Du Bois and his supporters opposed the Atlanta Compromise, an agreement crafted by who? Yo, dude, Booker T. Which basically provided that Southern blacks would just work and submit to white political rules, while Southern whites guaranteed that blacks would receive basic educational and economic opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. That lie didn't work. Instead, Du Bois insisted on full civil rights, increased political representation, which he believed would be brought about by African-American intellectual elite, Um, a phrase he referred to this group from Henry Morehouse, who coined the talented 10th man, and he called it the talented 10th, and believed that African-Americans needed the chance to advance and receive advanced education in order to develop its leadership. And so if you haven't read the book, the souls of black folks, I don't, I don't think you've really read anything by Du Bois until you've read the souls of black folks. It is a, it is, it is one of the books that woke me up to who, Uh, W.E.B. Du Bois was and looking um, looking at us beyond Ethiopia, beyond now you you, you know where Ethiopia there's a place in Ethiopia where the oldest bones of a human being were found 237 thousand years ago I believe and so it's one of those things where he goes beyond that and really looks at the things that we do and the things that we need for our community and how we really need to step up and show what emancipation did for us, but also what it did to us. And so if you haven't read W.E.B. Du Bois or if you are not a a, uh, supporter of some of the things that he talked about, if I were you, I, w- I would go back and read it. It's a great read for anybody, regardless of who you are, regardless of race or gender or ethnicity, because it talks about some of those things that that it's our job to make sure our community survives. And so a person like me, I'll use me as an example, who has gone to college and received advanced education it is it is my responsibility to ensure that my community is well taken care of. That you basically keep all hurt, harm, and danger from the community. And so Du Bois got fed up with American uh, politics, America in general, and moved to Ghana in 1961 and was given citizenship where he subsequently died at the age of 95. And so we 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 have to thank him for the many things that he brought out about the world. Again, you have to remember he's writing at a time where there wasn't much research. So much of the thing many of the things that he wrote, much of the information that he gave was from observation. Um, he looked for signs of freedom, you know, he, he believed that if you're free, there are certain things you should have. And if you look at our community in Milwaukee, we don't have that. If you look at the community in Milwaukee, black, white, Hispanic, or Asian, there are some things we don't have, but it's something that we have to look at because there are visible signs of freedom. How you dress, how you look, where you work, where you live. Are you able to vote? Do you have access to purchase land, access to start a business? Those are visible signs of freedom. And in many cases, I don't see that. In many cases, I don't see that in in Hispanic communities, white communities, Asian, I, I don't see it. The only place I really, really see it thriving are in white communities. And so we have to remember that sometimes it might be by design. Other times it may just be, you know, hoarding. Keep mine, you keep yours. I always find it interesting that when Republicans talk about things in general, it really sounds like they support everybody. And in some instances they do until something goes wrong. And when you have to step up and help or go into a community and give something and not expect anything in return, we become individualists. Oh, you know, individuals, you know, individualism is great. Individualism is strong. Okay. So when you need help, Right? It's okay. When we need help, individualism is important. Oh, okay. I got it. And no and, and no, I'm not generalizing. I'm I'm using my experience of when I listen and talk to people who are Republican. Notice I didn't say conservative because most black people are conservative. I right? go to church and believe in family and all that stuff. So I mean, we can perpetuate the lie that we're not, but that's not true. And so at some point, it's incumbent upon us to step up and literally create a new path that, in my estimation, this generation is going to have to fight for. You can lay back so long, you can let things happen for so long, and you're going to lose it. You sit back and you think that all this diversity and inclusion stuff is for you and it's going to help you and that people love you. And in the end, if something happens, they're going to choose you. It's not, it's not going to happen. If that were the case, it would have, you would have been chosen a long time ago. Why did it take the death of a person for somebody to wake up to go? Oh, wow. We're kind of different. No kidding. You've had the keys to the store, the ownership of the store, And the lease to the land. Where exactly can I get in there? The only thing I can do is give you my money and buy something. Other than that, I got nothing. No generational wealth. No education that's going to last a lifetime. You throw more money at an education system that's top heavy. So the only people that get paid are administrators. And it never trickles down to the kids. But you keep supporting it. Just don't support it by itself. There's choice and charter there as well. But I digress. 833-212-1017 is the number. When we come back, top five at five. um, Other complaining and moaning and all sorts of things that I do. Um, You hanging out in there, Alex? You you doing it? All right. You doing good? All right. We'll see how that goes in the 5 o'clock hour. I'm also giving away some prize packs, so make sure you hang around. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. More of the
0: Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, the Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.